This is Clayton for Podcast Radio Business, and we're joined by Jonathan Watts-Lay from Financial Wellbeing and Retirement Specialist, Wealth at Work. We're here to discuss why one in three people nearing retirement age think they won't be able to afford to retire at all. Thank you for joining us, Jonathan. Hi, Clayton. Jonathan, please tell us more about your role at Wealth at Work. I'm a director of Wealth at Work, so basically responsible for trying to oversee financial education and guidance to employees of primarily major employers, but um, also both across the private and the public sector. Could you give us an, an idea of the key findings of the research regarding the concerns about retirement affordability? One of the most surprising figures that came out of the research was that uh, 83% of people said that they felt as though they would have to work longer uh, than they anticipated purely because of the cost of living crisis. So clearly it's having a much bigger impact, certainly in people's minds, than, than maybe a lot of us imagined. Now, I guess whether whether that turns out to be reality that they will need to work longer or not, you know, only time will tell, and, and that, that may be over, over a number of years. But clearly there is some big concerns out there that they just don't feel as though that they will be able to save enough to be able to retire, perhaps when originally they had envisaged. So obviously from the survey, can you sort of direct us to some things that you found interesting? One of the surprising figures, I think, was that 59% of people said that they were considering either reducing or stopping their pension contributions altogether. Um, so again, quite a quite a shocking, quite a high figure there, not something that I would have expected. I guess the issue with that is clearly if people reduce their, their pension contributions, then ultimately, no matter what age they are, that means that their, their pension pot's going to be smaller than what it otherwise would have been, which means that when they eventually get to retirement, again, it will be that case of, what well, am I going to have to just work longer because my pension pot isn't uh, what I hoped it would be? Or am I happy to accept a lower income in, in retirement? So some people may be faced with that as a stark choice. But I think that one of the things that people need to think about is also that if they do reduce or stop paying into their pension, the impact it has, because a pound saved that you're not going to contribute, of course, what you then give up is also the match from your employer. And what you also give up is the tax relief. So that pound that you save, you stop paying in, actually, it's worth far more than that pound to you. So people need to perhaps understand that and maybe look at other areas where they could cut back before they start looking at pension contributions. Do you think that a lot of people nearing retirement age, I suppose you look at it to a certain extent that it seems so far away. I remember a quote from Einstein saying, don't worry about the future, it comes soon enough. Yeah, yeah, I think that is part of the issue, really, that clearly, depending on your age, it can seem so far away that, that it's, it's kind of tomorrow's problem. One of the things that we we try and talk to to individuals about though is in terms of managing their budgets and when things are tight as they are at the moment and you know that things are going to get tighter for a lot of people because interest rates are going up people have their fixed rate mortgage deals coming for renewal all of a sudden they're, they're going to have more expenditure so we know for a lot of people things are going to get worse before they get better but even with that backdrop trying to understand actually where is the monthly income going and one of the things that we often look at are those those expenses which everyone has or pretty much everyone has so you think about things like broadband bills your mobile phone bills insurances so car insurance or household insurance a lot of people just simply do not shop around with those things and they they have them on auto renewal and the result of that is that if you take it over a year 
they could be literally spending hundreds of pounds more per year than they need to purely because they're not shopping around. When you think about it in, in that context, clearly you'd be better off trying to save those few hundred pounds on those things by shopping around and then keeping your pension contributions going, which means you keep your contribution from your employer and it also means you keep your, t- your tax relief. So it's just trying to get people to reassess really some of those those areas. And I think what's interesting about that as well is that, of course, all we're saying is, is that for a lot of people, we know you can get better deals. So it's not, it's, you know, you're not foregoing anything. You're not saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to have broadband or I'm not, I'm not going to get insurance for my, my house. You're still buying all of those things. It's just saying that actually a lot of people can do it much more cheaply because they shop around. Auto enrollment was supposed to be the big thing. And that was introduced around 10 years ago, maybe a, a little bit longer. Mm. How has that really influenced retirement savings and why are some people still unable to afford retirement even after auto enrollment? The key thing really is is that we you can almost break down the the demographic into to to three areas. So you've got the people so pri- primarily the you know, the baby boom generation and uh, maybe part of of generation X so people maybe that are in their 50s at the moment who a lot of whom would have had actually very good pension provision and they would have been part of final salary schemes. Not not in all cases, of course, but there is a, a high probability that, that they did. If you then look at the other extreme, you look at the young people. So as you say, auto-enrolment has been in place for roughly 10 years. People that started work as auto-enrolment came into place, then of course they've got 10 years worth of savings already. But of course those people will only be in you know maybe their late 20s or, or early 30s. So whilst we can debate whether auto-enrollment contribution rate should be higher or not. The point is, is they are building something up and, and clearly that is compounding year after year. The group in the middle are, are the more interesting group because there's a cohort of people that are probably roughly in their 40s which are the, the group that potentially are going to suffer most because they were the, they were the group, they were too late for final salary but they spent a lot of years before auto-enrollment arrived where they didn't save anything. And so, of course, they're now in their 40s. And even if they did join auto-enrollment 10 years ago, they, they may have missed out on 10, 15 years or whatever of, of contributions. So it's interesting that cycle that we might see that people right now that are retiring, and I'm generalizing, of course, generally look kind of not too bad. In the next few years, it could actually start looking a, a lot worse before theoretically it will get better again when when those people that have had auto-enrollment all their lives you know get to the point of retirement. And I think that's why this cost of living crisis is such an issue as well, because of course people that are in that, let's call it the mid-career stage, so in their 40s, give or take, of course that's the age when often a lot of people have a lot of financial commitments as well. So you know you, you may have kids and, and, and mortgages and, and all the rest of it. So with that backdrop of the cost of living crisis, that is the group that probably will need to save more, but actually doesn't really have the ability to save more. When these things happen, there's always somebody writing in the Metro or the Standard basically saying, what are the government doing about this? You know, what actions are the policyholders taking on this? Can you think of what actions policymakers can actually take in order to deal with these challenges so that people are able to retire more comfortably? Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things that has happened, of course, is we've had the triple lock on the state pension. You know, a lot of people, the, the state pension will be, if you like, the cornerstone of their uh, retirement income. And actually, private pension may actually be uh, a relatively small part. 
So I guess on the plus side, state pension, albeit it started from quite a low base, relatively speaking to other countries a few years ago, it has caught up to it to a degree because of, because of the triple lock. I guess the question going forward will be how long will that triple lock um, uh, stay in place? And 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 there's a there's there's a, there's a lot of people that think that probably you know not too much longer. And that's that's all because of the the, the broader issues about intergenerational fairness. So so you know what, what why are, why are pensioners getting uh, increases above um, wage inflation? And, and, and someone who's working, who's younger and can't get on the property ladder and all the rest of it, um, uh, are, are struggling. So, so it's a, it is a, it is a tricky debate. And, 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 you know, where, what the landing zone is for that, I guess, um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And, and of course, you know, potentially a change of government maybe later next year. So, so, so the landscape could change in, in any event. State retirement age as well is another one. So we, we know it's going up, but there's still ongoing debate as to whether it should go higher. Um, of course, if it goes higher, then theor- theoretically, okay, you don't get your state pension as early, but you're theoretically longer in work to save into a private pension. I guess that's another policy issue, which which one can debate either way. I mean, we've seen the uh, we've seen the demonstrations in France, and and you know their state pension is is still very low uh, uh, relative relative to here and, and other European countries. Indeed. So I mean, that's an interesting de- interesting debate in itself. And I think at the other end, you've got. Of course, they they are going to change the auto enrolment rules. So there, at the moment, you get auto enrolled at age twenty two, but that's going to come down to eighteen. So, so for those who who start work at a younger age, then clearly they're getting a few extra years of, of benefit in terms of those savings. And they're also going to pick up people that have multiple jobs. So because of this uh, minimum earnings level that has existed. But somebody might have three jobs and go, well, hold on a minute. But when I've, you know, you add up my three jobs, I'm above that minimum. So, so again, they're going to change that. So again, that will bring some more people in who will start saving. So, I mean, I think there are some policy things there that are, well, there's some that are still being debated. I think there's, that there are clearly some that are, that, are, that are starting to happen. But it is, it is tricky, you know, because at the end of the day, this is the backdrop of cost of living. You know, you could look at some, you know, big expenditure that people have. So, mortgage being a, an obvious one you know big chunk of someone's outgoings every month but you know there's no sign that interest rates are going to fall anytime soon in fact most people think they're going to go a bit higher so pain's going to increase um now okay that's bank of england not not government but you can see that from a macro perspective it is quite hard to see a way through this in the in the short term beyond people just managing their money as as best they can and the more tips and help organisations like us can give them through their employer, you know, probably the better. We talked a little bit earlier in our conversation about France and what was happening there. A bit closer to home, I wanted to find out. We always hear about a north-south divide in terms of housing and other aspects of British life. Would that be the same in terms of retirement and pensions? This is a, probably a tricky one, really, because it's it's... In terms of the income requirement that you need in retirement, depends on, to a certain extent, your geography, because it, do you live in an area that's expensive, like London, or do you, do you live in an area that's much cheaper? That is going to influence it. But the thing that influences it also, of course, is expectation of what you want to do in retirement as well. So it's always that thing about, well, you know, you could have two people that, that, that have the same amount of money in their pension, but, but one has a very modest ambition, if you like, for their retirement. 
Whereas somebody else is saying, well, I want to travel the world and, you know, go on holiday twice a year and, and all this sort of thing. I think that, again, it comes down to that personal choice. So one of the things that we will talk to people about is understand what level of income you're likely to generate as you hit retirement. Understand what your day-to-day living costs are. So as I say, for in certain parts of the country, that, that may be lo- lower than, than other parts. And then work out what discretionary spend beyond that that you would like. So if you want to fund, you know, two or three exotic holidays a year, then then clearly understand what that's going to cost you. And then that allows an individual to think about, well, does that mean I should be putting more in my pension? Do I need to work another two or three years longer than I thought in order to achieve that? Or actually, am I just going to pull back on what I want to do in retirement and just have the one holiday a year rather than the, the three? So it does get quite personalized. I mean, I think I think the other thing as well, which is an interesting one, is there is a geographical element to this, but more so around um, whether you have a mortgage or whether you're renting. Because generally speaking, people that have a mortgage will pay that mortgage off before they retire. Even if they still have a sum outstanding at the point of retirement, they will often use their tax-free cash to pay off the remainder of the mortgage. So they're mortgage-free. But of course, if you're renting, then you've got to find that income kind of forevermore, as it were. So depending on where you live in the country, of course, there is a big differentiation in rental costs, sorry. So that that will affect what you need in terms of a pension income when you get to retirement. You know, there are some complexities there that people need to think through. What advice would you give to those who are concerned about the cost of living crisis and its impact on their retirement plans? I think the first thing is understand where you are. Maybe not so much for the younger people, but but certainly when you're you're sort of midway through your career. So let's say, you know, you, you've hit 40. So, you know, you've if you like, you've worked 20 years, you've got another 20 years to go, that type of thing is understand where your savings have got to. And I say you might have multiple pensions. So understand the true value of that, because the key the key thing there is you've got another 20, 25 years to do something about it if you're not on track. So I think it's important for that mid-career group to have an understanding of that. When it comes to people that are much nearer retirement, again, they clearly need to understand what they've the value of all the pensions they've got. They should get a state pension forecast from the, the government website as well, so they understand exactly what the state's going to give them and, and indeed when they're going to get it from the state because, of course, of this, this change in retirement age. And then they can, they can have a much more rounded view of realistically what income they're going to get. And therefore, they can start making decisions around, okay, well, is that enough? What are my expenses going to be? Is this going to cover and give me some discretionary spend to do the things I want? If not, then what are my other options? Could I, should I just carry on working for another two or three years? Should I go part time to supplement that retirement income? So it can then allow those sorts of discussions. So where can our podcast radio business listeners go to find out more information about wealth at work and also about their retirement plans and the options that are open to them? Employers can go to wealthatwork.co.uk where um, indeed they can see a copy of the research, but also we have other information and videos, etc. that they might find helpful. I think another good site to visit is moneyhelper.org.uk, which is effectively a government site, but it gives a lot of information, calculators, videos, etc. on general money management. So there's quite a bit of stuff there around cost of living crisis, but it also drills down into more specific, uh, specifically more into pensions as well. Um, so those are, those are two good places to start. So Jonathan Watsley from Wealth at Work, thank you for joining us on Podcast Radio Business. Thanks, Clayton. You're most welcome.